today, the gospel pericope is a challenging one. So the question we must ask ourselves, or questions, are how do we hear God's word and what do we learn from it today? We might, we might go about it this way, by asking ourselves, what is Jesus doing? What are his disciples doing? And what is the crowd doing? These are important questions to consider as we try to make sense of the text. Also, we must ask ourselves fundamental question because when Jesus says blessed are you and blessed are you and blessed are you and woe to you and woe to you, we must ask ourselves the question about how do we identify? How do we identify? You know already that this is Luke's version of Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. You'll notice already that it is considerably shorter than Matthew's version and that Jesus' setting is the plains. Keep in mind who Luke is speaking to, or who Luke is writing to, rather, I should say. He is writing to Theophilus. And we might imagine that Theophilus was an important figure. That would mean that Theophilus is not poor, he's not hungry, he's not weeping now, he's not rejected or ridiculed, but Theophilus is wealthy, content, he's happy, has a lot of friends, he's comfortable. So what compelled Luke to write to Theophilus? What compelled him to share the gospel with him? And I wonder how Theophilus responded to this particular pericope of blessings and curses. Let's do a little bit of word search. In our word search, the Hebrew word berek is the word that is translated to bless. And it means to fear God or to show respect for the standards ordained by God. And hence, berakah, which means blessings, speak to good health, longevity, fertility, numerous progeny, and vitality. In contrast, there are three words for curse. The first is Allah, which means and gives a sense of a prayer for punishment of an evildoer. Arar means curse and gives a sense of a decree, hence to cast a spell. I used to like to watch my son, and I'll tell you which one. You, you'll probably find out or figure it out. He used to like to watch every which way, and he will, he will get his finger going. 
you know, uh, as if to cast a spell. And then there's Ketel, uh, Kilel, which means curse again, and gives a sense of a lack of respect or to repudiate, repudiate one who does not meet the ethical standards sanctioned by God. And that individual, it is said, will face misfortune, harm, such as childlessness, disaster, war, and death. So there you have it, blessings and curses. I want you to also know that blessings and curses can be traced all the way back to the very beginning. The beginning of primeval history. God's blessings are upon human beings from the very beginning. Here in Genesis chapter one and verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And curse is pronounced after mistrust occurs. So here it is. Genesis chapter three, verse 16 through 19. To the woman God said, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children, yet your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. I pause there because husbands weren't supposed to rule over their spouses. So when husbands rule over their spouses, it's because of a curse. I'm not going to say curse upon the woman. It might be a curse on the man. Let's leave that for another, for another day. <laughs> and then the text goes on, and to the man he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Here's the word. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We will come to those words, you are dust, and to dust you shall return, as we begin Lent in March. And again, God said to Cain, you are cursed, again the word, from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Genesis 4 and verse 11. And again, we have a blessing. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. God blessed the survivors of the flood, Noah and his sons, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. One more. 
The one that I'm going to pull from is Genesis chapter 12 because that's the beginning of faith. Then the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the ones who, the ones who curses you, you, and the one who curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 3. So here we have it, cycle of blessings and curses. So like disciples, like the disciples and the crowd, we listen to Jesus in light of these passages. And the first thing we notice is that Jesus, in this passage, identifies with all who came to hear him and were healed. But the question is, do they identify with him? We ask ourselves. The disciples identified with him when they left everything to follow him, he told them that following him will bring hardships, but promised those who followed him will be blessed. How did the crowd see themselves? Were they poor, sad, hungry, rejected, and ridiculed? Or were they full, content, happy, and comfortable? I imagine that some turned and identified with Jesus while others questioned and hesitated to commit. Today, as people talk about their connections, listen carefully. And when I listen carefully, I wonder about their commitments. What motivates them? Especially when there is an obvious conflict with Christian values and practices. I wonder. And then I wonder about Theophilus, because I wonder whether Theophilus was confused by the competing voices of his culture. I wonder if Theophilus was a would-be believer If so, we could identify with Theophilus. And then I think about Luke, what Luke is doing for his friend. And I feel grateful that Luke reached out to him and shared with him the gospel. For this tells me that it is not what you have, but who you are connected to 
that makes you blessed or accursed individual. He must have felt blessed to have a friend in Luke who cared enough to address his questions about truth and set him on the right path. The invitation to commit is one each of us can speak to. We are here because someone cared enough to share the gospel with us. Like Luke, they introduced us to Jesus Christ and they set us on the path of righteousness. Theophilus was blessed to see that the cross of Jesus Christ, that cross was considered by the people in Jesus' day to be a curse. Yeah, when we look up there, that cross was considered to be a curse. Yet Jesus presented himself on it and turned it into a blessing. I want you to know that the challenge of the gospel pericope for today remains. However, we come away with clarity knowing that we are either in the crowd or we are believers. We know as believers what we must do if we are in the crowd. As believers, we join Luke in sharing the truth that sets people free. We don't peddle curses, lies, deception, misinformation, untruths. We don't act in a way that intentionally deceives or as somebody says, stifles your conscience or as we would say in Guyana, the cockroach eat out your conscience? No, we wouldn't do that. In fact, what we would do as believers, we set the truth before others, the truth that sets one's one free. And that truth is Jesus, who calls us from misplaced loyalties to self, others, or institutions with narrow idealism that betray trust, that oppress and maintain the status quo. We follow Jesus who makes us a blessing rather than a curse. Amen.